Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Vibe higher, bitch. Vibe higher. 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 What we need to do is see the world in you and see the world in me. And when we get into our bones, we wake up to the moans of freedom, of freedom. So like. Like a track's like when we get on the mic, we got that pussy on type. And the vortex all right, got them all calling out. Vibe higher, bitch. Welcome to Superficial Magic. I'm Megan Granger. And I'm Dana Moon. Today's guest is absolutely unbelievable. Her name's Aisha Fanes, and you can go to her um, website. It's Women Love Power. And we do. We do love power. And we read that website front to back. Yes. And we took her uh, female hi- hierarchy? Oh. Uh, archetype. Archetype. Hierarchy. Why do I think hierarchy? I don't know. That's cool, though. Her hmm. archetype quiz. Her archetype quiz. So she has a quiz. It's 147 questions long. Um, so it's kind of like a, a commitment, but it's so worth it, and it doesn't take very long. And then it tells you what your two archetypes are. Her videos are truly inspiring on a level where, like, I felt like I, I'm like, I can do anything. Yeah, she's so beautiful and she's so cool. And her quiz has been like going around the internet everywhere. All I see is people taking it. And yeah, it went viral. Their, yeah, so I was like, we need to talk to this lady. Yeah. And she went to Yale. This was our first phone interview ever. We called her on the phone. And if you're like, why is Megan interrupting this woman who went to Yale? It's because it's a phone interview and I can't see her. It's our first phone phone interview and it went really well. It went really well. Just sometimes like she'd start talking and I'd start talking and I'd be like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it worked out better than I actually thought it would. I know. Now we can talk to anybody. We can talk to anybody. Call in. Yeah. Phone us in. <laughs> My favorite part is that she is not shy about being like, yeah, women are more powerful. Oh my gosh. Like I know. She's straight upsets it. We are the more powerful gender and we've been suppressed for years. Well, it's interesting because her kind of take on stuff is seduction. And we say this in the podcast as well, but she doesn't mean it sexually. Seduction is all about getting in touch with your power to get people to do what you want. And women sometimes are like, oh, I don't want to seduce anyone. I don't want to have power. Blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. We, we do want that. We do want that. You and know. I've been running away from it for as long as I can remember as long as you could run as long as I could be run (laughs) guys we know I run (laughs) did I mention I work out I run thanks so yeah it's pretty cool I think it's uh it's one of my favorite episodes she's just she's rad so give it a listen I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on it well you know I think if they're here they're gonna keep listening well you know sometimes they just want (laughs) to hear our check-in because it's so interesting I mean our (laughs) lives are just so glamorous I actually got back today from um Kansas oh hey girl hey hey did you miss me I told you I missed you and I texted you like a gross like sad husband I was like I'm I'm gross I miss you I just wanted you to have to say it on the podcast too though (laughs) My sister got married. She married the cutest guy ever. He's in the Air Force. He's like an actual man, but he also likes kittens and he bawled his eyes out while she was walking down the aisle, like hysterical crying. Oh my God. I know. 
I know. He's been like deployed and shit and he couldn't handle it. Oh, it was really, really romantic. That makes my heart happy. I know. Can you tell everybody what you originally wanted to do? Because it's very funny. I don't remember what you're talking about. What you who you wanted to bring. It's very rom-com. Oh, okay. And Megan was very serious about this. And I was so excited for it, but it didn't happen. Right. So uh, we're friends with a guy who's like a sitcom actor. He's British. He's ridiculous. He's kind of famous. He kind of. He was in the the Mindy Project. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. He played the... He's British. And um, he's the one who helped us make the intro song. Ed Weeks, everybody. Come on in here, Ed. Just kidding. He's not here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Ed... (laughs) He crawls out from under my bed. <laughs> I've just been getting him in here. Ed is very charming. And so I was going to take him as my date and tell my family that he was my boyfriend. And he would charm well, the pants take, off all of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we backtrack? Yeah. Take. Take. Take him? Yeah. You were going to pay him? No, I wasn't. I was going to pay for his flight. Oh. Oh. I'm not going to pay Ed I thought Weeks. you were going to pay for his flight and then pay him. No. I was just going to pay for his flight, make him come with me. Ugh, and this then, is like a rom-com I want to yeah, watch. Yeah, and then I was like, so, then, we then we can we... pitch it as a movie. Just let's go. And he was actually like, okay. He was down for it. Yeah, but then I was just like, and I don't want to have to take care of Ed Weeks this whole weekend. because You would tell your parents that he, um, oh, that's my foot, sorry. Oh. Um, you would tell your parents that he's like a doctor. Like you would be like, he's not an actor. Yeah. I'd be like, this is a doctor. He's from Britain. <laughs> Don't look up his credentials. <laughs> Just look at his face uh, and tell me congratulations. Um, yeah, I was very single. Did anything funny happen with that? I mean, people were just like, when are you getting married? And uh, were people asking you that question? A few times. I, I, I kind of feel like that's rude. It's very rude. And every time I see family, and this is family, I love you, but this is why I I don't like to be around them is because they ask me rude questions. Like, they'll be like, so dating anybody yet? And like the way they word it. So are you going to ever make any money? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, no, guys, I'm not actually. No, just kidding. I am universe. Cancel clear. My sister wants me to go on family vacation. And stay with my mom's entire side in a house in North Carolina. LOL. And I'm like, do you guys remember the last family vacation? My little cousins were like bullying me. Oh, my God. (laughs) My like nine year old cousin, 11 year old cousin were like, you don't have a job and a boyfriend. You're poor. And I was like, where'd you get that information? (laughs) Hey, what adult told you that? Yeah, like assholes. And then my aunt, it's so obvious my my uncle's wife, she's my aunt by marriage. Thank God. Um it's obvious she said, you know, I mean she's she tells these kids about like designer clothes. They're nine and they know about designer clothes. Oh. They're like, "What designer is that? What brand is that?" And I'm like, "Where What planet are you living on, 9-year-old?" That sucks. I don't like that. Yeah. So I said I was like I told my family, I was like, well, if I, if I do go and that aunt goes, there's going to be some fam drama. Cause yes. I, I knew Dana tells people how she feels straight Even up. Even if those people are nine years old. <laughs> 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 what happened? You were with kids on this trip. Yeah. I, well, well, the first, whole time I, I was loving your stories, by the way, I was seated at the 
like the table with my grandparents first. So I texted you this, that they all have like dementia. <laughs> the only thing they all remember is that they hate each other. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what we have to look forward to, everybody. I'm sitting at this table and I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my god! And my parents are walking around. I'm the like I'm just sitting there, the only person. And I was like, no. And so my mom was like, you can go sit at the kids' table. So I did, and they, yeah, same thing, kind of bullying me, but mostly being fun. And there's just so many kids there; they're so cute. And it's interesting, like kids in Los Angeles are worthless. Kids in out in Kansas are like little prairie adults. The nine-year-olds are, like, taking care of the babies. They literally live on prairie fields. They live on prairie fields. Like, <laughs> they do they do things. They're, like, making bottles. They're carrying the baby. They're, like, helpful people. They're changing diapers. He's changing his own diaper. Yeah. Like, they're, like, babies, <laughs> but they're, they're workhorses. A two-year-old changing his <laughs> own diaper. <laughs> That's what it's like. I was just like, this is He's so like weird. He's, like, picking fruit on a farm, and he can't even walk. <laughs> <laughs> you leave tomorrow for tour. Oh, my God. I'm going on a USO tour. I'm going to, in this order, Alaska, Hawaii, Guam, some island, the Marshall Islands off the coast of, I I guess it's pretty close to Australia. Oh my God. I'm taking so many flights. And we're sober now. And we're sober now. That's our news, guys. After the Zach episode, Dana and I were like, we're sobs. The Zach episode, Zach was, is life changing. I know. And, um... I can't even tell you like how I've been having like 40 mind explosions every day being so like I'm seeing life clearly now that I'm sober. I mean, I haven't drank for three weeks, so it's like, come on, Dana, like it's three weeks, but oh, I've already made my whole new identity around it. Oh, I talk about sober girl. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm so I feel like I'm going to be the annoying sober person that talks about how amazing sobriety is. I'm already turning into that. Yeah, it hasn't been very difficult yet. Knock on so much wood. It's my life just got so much bigger in the best way. Like, I feel like every day the universe is rewarding me, like specifically with this decision. I cannot wait to follow this journey, our journey, our journey. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I so the flying thing, you know, my Colorado story. So like we lost an engine flying over the Colorado Rocky Mountains and I've been afraid of flying ever since. So I normally bring Xanax and I'll like have a glass of wine and I'm fine. Right. Right. So no more wine. And I kind of, I was going to get a Xanax, but I don't know. I just, I feel like Xanax and wine go so well together. It's like, if I'm not having wine, why am I even having the Xanax? It's, it's too, here's, here's how I know I'm slightly an addict. Mm. I don't want to take the Xanax without the glass of wine. Oh, I get it. I get it. And I know that if I'm on that plane, and I have Xanax and I'm like feeling good. And like, I feel like I'd be way more tempted to order alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Xanax and wine go together like chocolate and strawberries, chocolate and strawberries. I mean, you just combine those two things and it's like, oh, hello, heaven. heaven. <laughs> you guys, you're going to love this episode. Um, join the Facebook group at Superficial Magic Vibrators and tell us what you think. And also um, rate it five stars, give it a comment, and share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. And if you already rated the podcast five stars, thank you. That's very nice. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, Megan. follow Aisha and follow 
me at Megan Granger and Dana at Dana Moonme. And, and oh, let me give Aisha's handle. Or did she already promote it? No, um, I haven't yet. So follow her, Aisha. It's A Y E S H A K F A I N E S. You guys are going to love it. Aisha K. Fames. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy. So before we get into anything else, I have to say your boots look amazing. Thank you. Where did you get them? I got them from Shoe Dazzle. They're called the Megan Boot. That's crazy. I'm wearing my Shoe Dazzle shoes from R. They're called REI. So they're like they're the, so cute. We're twins. Twinsies. You guys, you can be twins like us if you go on ShoeDazzle.com and take the style quiz. Yeah, they have a style quiz that you can take for free and it'll show you the best things that will like you'll like. And then um, if you sign up for VIP at checkout, you get 30% off and it's super easy to sign up and it's also super easy to cancel, which I love. The website is really user friendly and it's really fun and delivery, they came like immediately. Um, what's cool is it's boots, booties, sweaters, jeans, handbags all of it everything we need for winter also new styles every week so check it out if you go to shoedazzle.com slash super right now and sign up as a vip you'll get 50 percent off your first order stop what you're doing right now and go to shoedazzle.com slash super you'll get half off everything on the site do it today because the hottest styles sell out fast so that's shoedazzle.com slash super winter is coming hi aisha Hello. So we've become obsessed with you. Um, everybody's sharing your quiz. It's called, what, what is it called exactly? It's, oh, it's called the, I guess it's the 13 Feminine Seduction Archetypes Assessment. That's what it's formally called. Okay, so it's 147 <laughs> questions, which may sound scary, but it probably takes like 15 minutes. I did it. Yes. And it determines your two strongest archetypes in your psyche and combines yes. them together to give you your seduction type. And seduction has actually nothing to do with sex. It's actually the opposite. It's about not having sex almost and like having <laughs> power, correct? Yes, absolutely. It's um, the feminine form of power. One of the feminine forms of power. Yes. One of the. So if you want me to take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> so when I when I created the quiz, it, the quiz took like a. I'm, I'm going to switch between saying assessment and quiz. The reason I say assessment formally is because when you think quiz, you think BuzzFeed quiz, and so then when people arrive, it's like a hundred. Yeah, like what kind of bread are you? Like, what kind of yeah? What is this? Okay. <laughs> um, so technically, it's like you know an assessment. The reason why there are so many questions is because basically it I have to basically ask certain questions. Of, different ways so that people can get out of their own way so it's 147 questions i'm tapping into every aspect of your personality but also of getting you out of the habit of saying what you think you should say like so that's what myers-briggs actually does myers-briggs asks so many questions that it it taps into different aspects of your personality but it also you, you answer so many times that even those questions that you answer sort of subconsciously how you think you're supposed to answer um because there's so many questions it overrides that so it's a couple of reasons why it's a full assessment it took about a year to create wow yeah it took like a year of life to to create and the purpose 
is twofold. The purpose on one hand is actually so that people can understand their actual feminine archetypes. So there are seven feminine archetypes. That's the uh, rundown real quick. The mother, the maiden, the huntress, the sage, the lover, the queen, and the mystic. I think I said them all. You did. I wrote um, all of these. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, and so what it does, like giving you sort of that breakdown of like um, percentage and, and how weighty they, they are and sort of in your, your, your subconscious and, and, and the influence that these archetypes are exerting on your life, it kind of helps you understand the composition of your archetype and why you feel the way you feel, why you feel compelled um, the way you, you, you do sort of archetypes kind of help us understand the person that we're aspiring to be. Yeah, tell us and more about what that, that what that even is. Yeah, so I mean, I think times are sort of, sort of uh, popularized by the work of uh, Carl Jung and also by the work of Joseph Campbell. But an archetype is basically, you know, you have human beings who've been telling stories for millennia, and over time, a lot of these stories sort of develop the same pattern, if you will, the same framework. And that's because as humans, whether or not humans sat around the fire thousands of years ago telling stories, or they sat looking at a TV that was telling them stories, these stories are all speaking to the human experience. And there are certain universal aspects of the human experience. And so these framework stories and these framework characters that recur over millennia really help us understand who we are. So that's really what an archetype is. You've got our archetypal stories, you know, sort of the feminine journey, the heroic journey that you'll see played out in every epic movie and every epic book. And you have archetypal people, archetypal characters. And so in the the Western imagination, if you will, I've sort of broken, and, and this is not all my original work. The, the seduction archetype is my original work, but, you know, obviously I ha- I'm standing on the shoulders of many people who've done works work with archetype, archetypes before me, but I've broken down sort of the feminine archetype and the feminine in the consciousness, if you will, into seven archetypes. Um, and so the assessment helps you understand which of those archetypes are exerting the, the most significant influence sort of in your personality. So this is the person you're aspiring to be. This is why you are motivated to love who you love. This is how, how you see yourself. This is how you see yourself within the world. This is how the world sees you. This is determining your interests. This is uh, determining sort of the career you might be compelled to do, the lifestyle you seek. All of these things, archetypes can kind of help us understand all of these things. And when you see the myriad of archetypes, it also can help you understand sort of the con- internal conflicts that you may sometimes encounter. So that was the first thing I wanted people to kind of get a sense of um, what an archetype was and what archetypes are sort of exerting influences on them to help them better understand themselves. Yeah. Now, seduction archetype. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. no, I was just going to ask, like, how knowing your archetype, like, how can that help your life, like, knowing that information? Absolutely. So... I, I guess maybe I can give my, myself as an example. Um, I am a dominant lover and then secondary um, sage. And they're like very neck and neck. And so this is as a short example. In my early 20s, I really battled between should I go into media or should I go to law school? 
because the lover energy in me, that's, that's one particular archetype, really is about creative expression and really is about, you know, sort of attention and interacting with people and connecting with people. But the sage in me is about rational logic and it's about sort of making pragmatic decisions. And I was really torn between those two things because those are two dominant influences sort of in my life. Wow. So or you even were like came, at war with yourself. Yes. And understanding your archetypes. And I actually, um, this is actually just a minor segue. I will be dealing with this in a, a course that I'm actually creating right now. I mean, and basically understanding your archetypes and how I can kind of help you get your entire life together. Um, so the therapeutic aspects of them, but helping me understand my archetypes and why I was pulled in those two directions also helped me understand how these archetypes could help each other. Wow. So today, the work that I'm doing really apply, really works with both of my dominant archetypes because as a lover, I, I do a lot of uh, media work and I speak a lot. My favorite thing to do is actually to speak to people. Um, and obviously, I literally talk about love and seduction and women <laughs> for for a living, so it satisfies that archetype. But as a sage, I'm a person that seeks to really understand, arm myself with information in order to better understand the world. So it satisfies the sage because I'm always researching. I'm running a business. So I figured out how I could use the two dominant aspects of my personality to create a life that spoke to who I was at my deepest core. So I have a I have a question about about this. Like is kind of sure. the purpose. So I fa- I'm I took the quiz twice <laughs> and both yes. times I was like high 90 percentile maiden. So yes. does that mean I should study what the maiden is and really mm-hmm. try to encompass that more into my life? I mean, obviously, I, I am unconsciously acting that out, but consciously try yes. to act it out as well, because I saw on your website, you wrote that like a person who clearly embodies an archetype, people just see them mm-hmm. and unconsciously understand them or give them power. Yeah. So it's yes. it's better to be clear, like know your archetypes and play up to it. So this is what we get with the seduction archetype. So I would say that in terms of, so, okay. So in terms of just in general, understanding your, your, your actual archetype, and I'll explain the difference between that and the seduction archetype, but understanding your actual archetype you're just going to understand sort of your strengths and your weaknesses and potentially what other archetypes you may need to develop ah. to balance out the potential weaknesses of, because every archetype has strengths and every archetype has a weakness. Right. Um, and so, and that's why sometimes we have to develop other archetypes in order to balance that out so that our weaknesses don't hinder our strengths. Got it. So that would be the, yeah, so that would be really the advantage of kind of better understanding the maiden. And the maiden is actually my tertiary archetype, so I definitely understand the maiden a lot. And in some ways I had to get out of my own way because the maiden sort of can potentially like to be led. Yes. So in order for me to really thrive as like an entrepreneur, I really kind of had to overcome that sort of instinct to, um, you know, look to people for approval and, and kind of wait for opportunity to come. I kind of had to get that hustle and like, all right, I got to go out and make this happen myself. But that was sort of understanding why I kind of had that instinct. So with the seduction archetype, to speak to what you were saying in terms of how the world sees you, um, 
And I can tell a backstory really quickly as to how the seduction archetype came to be because it'll make it make it more sense, make it make more sense. A friend and I were really sort of talking about feminine archetypes. And we were also talking about seduction. And we had this ongoing text conversation just back and forth. And we would talk about our, fa- our favorite women, and we would say, well, what archetype do you think this person is? What archetype do you think Jacqueline Kennedy is? What archetype do you think Nina Simone is? What archetype do you think Grace Jones is? And we would just have these in-depth discussions. And it's just really, she's my best friend, so it's just a little random quirky discussions you would have with somebody that understands you. Um, and he's like, oh, I think she's this because this. I noticed when we were having this discussion that every woman that we would regard as being captivating, as seductive, as beguiling, as just having this je ne sais quoi, they had a lot of lover energy. Like we all, that was the common denominator. So when maybe they were a lover and sage or they were a lover and a maiden, but that lover was always there. And if it wasn't dominant, it was like secondary. And so I started playing with that, and I started examining the lives of a lot of different women and seeing how the lover archetype interacted with the other archetypes in order to form this very unique way that certain women captivate. And I recognized that if I could help women kind of understand their dominant archetype and how it interacted with the lover archetype, they could understand how they uniquely captivate because i think a lot of times in our society we have this very like glamour magazine way of teaching women about attraction and it's like 12 ways to blow his mind and you're not realizing <laughs> that your ability to captivate and draw people to you is really rooted in sort of understanding who you are and tapping into your purpose and who you are becoming a fulfilled fully integrated woman with ravishing self-esteem and that's really kind of the thing that draws people in Uh, what were you going to say oh I don't I mean I think I got so wrapped up in what you were saying I forgot was that you Dana (laughs) so it's more like I'm loving this this is more your beauty is coming from your energy it's coming from inside Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and without a doubt, there are women who, I mean, and glamour is, is a thing. And glamour is a power. There's a power in glamour. There's a power in sort of the art of dramatizing the body. Like I like to call it theater of the body. You know, it's almost like a matador um, shakes a red cape and it, and it captivates the eye. So glamour is a thing, no doubt. But glamour alone is not seduction. You know, glamour is seductive, but women have an energy, women have a presence, women have a being, women have a knowing that is seductive. And it really comes, if you look at the lives of women that we really talk about, really captivating, a lot of times in their lives, they really had to deal with some sort of struggle. And I think that's because pain really points you to your purpose. And so when women, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people in general have to kind of go through some sort of hard time when they, that forces them to really think about what they want and who they are and how they can use who they are and what they have to get to what they want, it almost forces them to meet themselves and to evolve. Um, and, and, and become a sort of fully integrated personality that we would see as very confident and very captivating. So I, I think a really interesting example of this is Karen mm-hmm. O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Like she is not, I don't know if you guys know who I'm talking about, but 
She's not. I don't, but. Well, she's great, but she's not technically like yes. quote unquote glamorous maybe. Um, but yes. every concert I go, like every man's jaw is just on the floor because she exactly. encompasses her power so fully. That's so it. I have secondary lover um, energy. How do I? Yes. I, I, so I want to make it even more, right? We all want to bring the lover energy even yes, more dominant. So, exactly. So, okay. So, exactly. So I want to talk about the lover energy. So the Blade Up B13 Seduction Archives work is basically, I'm, it's, it's basically, if you if you have your seven feminine archetypes, then your seduction archetypes are basically hybrid archetypes, right? What happens when another archetype interacts with the lover? And that can happen in 13 different ways. You can have the lover be so dominant that it really overshadows all your other archetypes. Um, and that's what the, that's, that's, that would be the siren. That would be like your Elizabeth Taylor. That would be like your Jennifer Lopez. That would be your Halle Berry. Um, and, that is, and that, by the way, could be a major handicap because, mm. like I said, every archetype has its shortcomings. And the beauty of having multiple archetypes present in our psyche is that they balance each other out. So that's the siren. Then you have six archetypes in which the lover is your dominant archetype. And then you have another archetype that's very present. And so basically what's happening is those two dominant archetypes are blending to create a unique form of captivation. So if you have a lover in the stage, I would call that a sophisticate. That would be your Jacqueline Kennedy. If you had a lover and a huntress, I would call that the bohemian. That would be like your Angelina Jolie. Um, if you had a lover and a mother, I would call that the uh, sensualist. That would be your, um, who am I thinking of right now? Her name is famous actress from italy sophia loren yes. <laughs> that would be your sophia loren so that's how that works what about your oprah lover your... is oprah a mother and a lover oprah i think oprah if we broke it all the way down would be like a combination of a sage mm. and a mother mm -hmm. and then i think lover then the reason why oprah doesn't engage you as like seductive per se is because her lover probably isn't incredibly strong so i think oprah and for example michelle obama actually have the same makeup but i think michelle obama has a little bit of a stronger lover which is why when you see michelle obama there's something a little bit more seductive about michelle even though oprah is captivating because she is so fully integrated but i think she would be a combination of like the stage and the mother yeah, I get such mom so vibes technically from she'd be a, Yeah, yes. And it's, and she's like, she helps us understand the world, and there's something wise and scholarly about her, and she obviously runs the hell out of a business, so she's clearly a sage. But there's also something so honest and down-to-earth, which is really that mother archetype, and that's why we love her, and that's why we gravitate towards her. And I think she's got the lover, too. So if she was to be, um, her seduction archetype would be the boss, meaning that your dominant archetype is the sage energy so she would be the boss like martha stewart we should martha ask Stedman. we should ask Stedman if he if she's the lover you guys a little <laughs> Stedman reference is that her boyfriend yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah megan knows too much information about oprah <laughs> to be literally she stalked her i drove by her house like 15 times and was shouting oprah oprah uh, n didn't work should we move on <laughs> to female power? Yes. So, Dana's... So, oh, wait, oh, wait. I want to just finish. Oh, sorry, the, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, 
So the, so the lover, just the people who are reading this, because I get, I couldn't tell you how many emails I get. So people who listen to this, and this will help them better understand. So the siren is that the lover is dominant. The next six, you're, so you're sophisticated, you're bohemian, you're, oh gosh, I'm going to, I'm Boss. really bad at saying this out loud. I wrote them um, all down. Boss? So, okay. So, so the, I'll say the next six is if your lover is dominant and something else is, and something else is your secondary. And then the other six is if the lover is not dominant, but ah. the lover is present. So, for example, the sophisticate means the lover is your dominant archetype and your secondary is the sage. But the boss is, is your sage is your dominant archetype, but the lover is somewhere else in the mix. So you so really need to take the quiz maybe. to get this. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, and and understand. But basically, it's the use. But basically, the idea is that that lover energy is your seductive energy. The lover energy embodies. The lover energy is really kind of the energy embodied in the attraction that is the reason why humankind exists. Like the fact that you have this sort of carnal attraction that a woman can walk by and it's like, oh my god, and it's that that spark, that energy. That's really what the lover energy is all about. It's this instinct to create and procreate. So it's it's not just a sexual energy, but it's also a creative energy, which is why women who have a lot of lover energy are driven towards self-expression. And so this is the energy that I believe that not only are all women capable of developing, even if they don't have a lot, you know, say at the time of taking the quiz, but this is the energy that I think to truly kind of captivate in that seductive way women must develop and when it interacts with your other dominant energy that's how you uniquely captivate wow. that makes sense. wow yeah. so how do you pump up the jam on your lover archetype pump up the jam how do you pump up the jam okay so <laughs> i mean there are a lot of, there are a lot of ways and a lot of this will go into because i think i heard you talking about power or maybe a lot of this goes into feminine energy let's go when there people say feminine energy that's really what i mean when i talk about the lover archetype it's that embodiment of yen it's that embodiment of um erotic creative energy if you will and then a lot of different uh traditions um you'll see sort of the same resonant themes and attempting to um, explain and understand this energy. Um, so, for example, um, anyone who ever studies like Chi Young, um, there's this idea that you have this sort of energy stored in your sort of like sexual organs called Jing. And through breath, that can be that energy can be moved up the body and transferred into sort of chi, which is sort of life force, vitality, energy. So the idea that you have that erotic energy that can be stored and used for other things, that's sort of what we talk about when we mean that sexual energy, that attracting energy, that magnetizing energy, if you will. And how do women connect to it? Well, this is an energy that's kinetic first and foremost. So that's why dance, is probably the most ancient form of sort of women celebrating their sensuality, of women connect and women and men connecting to each other, of sort of being in the moment and just connecting with the beat and sort of the rhythm. Dance helps connect. Dance purely connects you to this energy. Laughter does. If you think about where laughter comes from, laughter literally comes up from the sexual organs and, and, and up through the body and out the mouth. Wow. So sort of like a kundalini, like kundalini serpent coming 
you know, from the base of the spine and up the body. That's what laughter does. Laughter does that. Anything that allows women to express themselves. Um, so if you're into poetry, you're into painting, that sort of thing. Um, water is fluid by nature. So like I said, again, this energy is kinetic and always associated with water. This is why your deities that represent sex and pleasure are always associated with water, Oshun, Aphrodite, Venus, etc. Um, so anything that in, that connects a woman to water will awaken um, this energy. And also just being comfortable in your body, um, being comfortable in your body, having fun, incorporating pleasure in your life. And then there are a lot more nuanced ways that women go about tapping into it. But you could also argue that our society really doesn't help women align with this energy in many ways. Yeah, because that would um, mean that we would have more power, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that, but also our society is a very sexual society. It's not a sensual society. So we're so sedentary. We eat terrible things, and food does does make a difference in sort of mood and also energy. Um, and we also really make women feel bad about themselves. And a part of the embracing this energy is embracing who you are, embracing your body, and feeling really good in your own um, also, part of this energy is I'm a, I don't know if you saw this part, but I'm a salsa dancer. Oh yeah. And one of the things that it's really hard for women to do when they start salsa dancing is to follow, because it's not that you're literally being led, but it's just that you literally have to be so in the moment. Like you cannot be a hair behind or a hair ahead. You literally have to be firmly anchored in the present moment. When you're in that present moment, you're in that energy. But a lot of women live either anxious about the future or paranoid about the past. So it's really, and that's the kind of society, a very high stress society. So being able to be firmly anchored in the moment is another, you know, aspect of sort of being connected to that energy. So all of those things. That's yeah. amazing. I need the power of now. Have you read the power of now? <laughs> yeah. Tall? And actually um, it's so interesting because a lot of these new age concepts, are not new. They are really concepts of the feminine coming to the fore. So the power of now is really just a manifestation of the feminine. Uh, I, you know? Yeah. I Okay. So female power. So this is, I'm struggling with, I'm like scared mm -hmm. of my power. Um, and I'm, I feel like I'm like at war with like accepting it and embodying it. And then also kind of like mm. hiding from it um, because I feel like it's bigger than me right it's like bigger wow. than who I am and it terrifies me a little bit well it is bigger than you I mean I think when you tap into your your power you are tapping into something bigger than you and and through that you know it's sort of you will become you will be able to project your highest self so I guess it is I guess when you think of it like that it is bigger than you but I feel like our purpose is to totally connect to our power. Like, I feel like that's why we're here on earth, learning what we're learning, experiencing what we're experiencing. All of it is to point us into not just living our purpose, but totally connecting, you know, to our power and really, which is really just the ability to live your best life and sort of just manifest your personal destiny. Ooh, that's what we're here for. That's yeah. What this podcast is. Yeah. That's literally what we're here for. But I think for women, a lot of times it's harder because we orient our lives around men Yep. instead of orienting orienting our lives around purpose you you say the disease to please in your youtube video yeah. that i loved um 
like how much women value ourselves is what we give to other people. And that really hit home for me because that's been my identity. How can I serve this person and make them happy? And, Oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm good. I'm a good person now, or I'm, I'm of service to other people. Therefore I matter. So, yeah, but, and that's a total roadblock. It's, it is, it's, it's really hard because, I, when I think of like feminine power, and I guess we'll talk about that a little, like what that is um, in, in, further along in the conversation. But one of our powers as women is to nurture. But you can nurture so many things. You can nurture a baby. You can nurture pain, which is why a lot of women have a hard time moving on from relationships. Wow. You can nurture possibility and manifest your destiny. And you can nurture an ego. So when a woman loves someone, we tend to see the best in that person. That could be a great thing or a terrible thing. Sometimes we see the best in that person, and that person can't see the best in themselves, and it's not it's a disaster. But we have the ability to love people into their purpose. That's what mothers do. So mothers we could love ourselves, and we could love ourselves into our purpose as well. And you can nurture yourself. Absolutely, that's 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 the thing. And so, so when we talk about the disease to please, it doesn't mean that you cut off one of the greatest powers that we have, which is the ability to nurture the potential in other people and to see them. And and, and, and that's some way that is an act of service, but it's also an act of love and it's a power that we choose to wield with the person that we want to wield that with. It's not an obligation. You said something that like tracked for me so deeply, but then um, nurture yourself, nurture... Oh, here's what I was going to ask. Like, yes. how can mm-hmm. you nurture yourself? Nurturing yourself is take nurturing yourself. Number one is self care. Yeah, okay, so that's that's the biggest way you nurture yourself. But number two is taking the time to get to know yourself. It's taking the time to enjoy yourself and experience pleasure and incorporate pleasure in your everyday life. Whatever that may be, it may be that you take a bubble. So my friends always laugh at me when I say I take a bubble bath every morning. And it's like, well, I had to shower anyway. Right. So <laughs> why not? That is why so Why not make great. it a pleasurable experience, right? Um, but I also go out dancing probably like three or four times a week um, at the drop of a dime. But for me, that's, that's what makes me happy. So I want to make sure that as hard as life is and as much as hard as I'm working and doing this and that and the other, I'm also making time for pleasure. That's one way you nurture yourself. You also nurture yourself by seeing your own potential and taking your own potential seriously and taking your dreams seriously and nurturing your own dreams. I've decided that Dolly Parton is my nurturer, like, like adopted mom. So I'm just, I love Dolly Parton. Um, so, I love her. Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm putting that into my I'm putting that into my uh my vision and trying to move towards Dolly being my adoptive mom yeah she's she's all of our fairy godmothers (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love Dolly Parton she's on the website too Uh, she's essentialist oh but um yes I I adore her so okay we have 10 more minutes what are the most important things we can hit on with you because we could literally keep talking to you for probably 20 Um, more hours i want i i totally want to go to the fu attitude and i also love when you wrote down i are you wrote um you should never be just dating one man at once yeah oh so okay you said you should be dating multiple men yes which is so true why have i never thought of this truly but should we be sleeping with all of them or because no okay 
sleeping with none of them. I mean, honestly, unless you want to, unless you want to. But I mean, I, I believe women should do what they want to do. I don't know, Richard. Can I can I just start? With the, are we we good? Want to just yeah yeah jump into it? Okay. Jump into it, yeah. yeah, I mean, so when it comes to dating, I it's no secret that I believe that women should date multiple men. I think that's the way we evolved. Honestly, I think we evolved to choose the best partner. I mean, if you think about it in terms of our evolutionary history, if women didn't choose men who were capable of at least helping them through the very difficult and deadly, for the better part of human history, childbirth process, and then helping to raise this little tiny defenseless infant, that 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 woman not only risked her own death, but she risked the death of her child. So for an, in order for us to be here talking to one another on this podcast, there had to have been some women in our history who made really good decisions. And so one of the issues I, I find with a culture of casual sex is that on the bright side, it, 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 is, um, it, it embraces feminine liberty and it embraces our ability to, to, to do with our bodies as we want and to take control of our sexual destiny, which is an amazing, amazing thing. The darker side of it, though, is that it sort of lowers the bar for sex. And so it allows men to get sex with minimum commitment or investment or, with, or or anything. And that also has ramifications. And so when it comes to really kind of trying to find the best partner and trying to find your, I think, your power in relationships, I think you move differently when you're seeing multiple people and you're really, number one, just being relaxed and in the moment and having fun and going with it. You're not, you know, what we call in the dance world, back leading is when you're leading for the man. You're not trying to rush anything. You're not trying to force his hand because you have options. Mm. And two, when you have options, people tend to make better decisions. If you only have one option, somebody that honestly is not a good option will look great because it's the only one. <laughs> but now when you have four options, now you can kind of be like, oh, I don't really like that. I actually kind of, I don't know if I can trust him. Hmm, you know what? His story at dinner last night didn't really add up. I don't know if I want to keep seeing this person. You move differently when you date multiple men. And people can unconsciously, like men are, if you date women, can unconsciously mm-hmm. tell when you're not totally invested in them. And that makes them all the more anxious and that to please makes, you. Oh, yes. I truly believe them. And I mean, a lot of people hate this because they think, oh, you know, because honestly, when we're talking about generalizations, it's not as, you know, it's not 100%. But I truly believe that at the heart of the heart, men are pursuers. Yeah. Men are pursuers. And also when they first engage us and they don't know anything about us, they don't know how great you are. They don't know how loving you are. They don't know all the, the wonderful things that they'll find out if they get to know you. It is about sex. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is true. about the pursuit of sex, and that tension is really what creates sort of the, the dynamic tension of the seduction when it starts. Yep, I truly, so. when I want it too bad, it's like a repulse. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel I like have like a taser or something, and I'm like, <laughs> do you know? Like, I feel like men can feel it. They're like, she wants yeah. me to, and it's right when I back off, and right when I. I don't want to say that I don't care, but it's it's kind of I yeah. kind of have that energy of like I'm just doing me and I I have no stake in this and it, it, I really don't care either way. Then the man it's like they feel it and they they're so yeah. eager to please and they're so like on a whim like yes, let's oh, hang out and behavior. wherever you want to go and let yeah, it's up to you and you're totally in the driver's Absolutely. seat. Absolutely. And that's the thing about seduction, people understand seduction requires tension. So it's an interplay between intimacy and space. It's an interplay between sort of 
feeling safe and feeling a little nervous and feeling a little anxious. Like seduction requires that you are sort of engaged in a, a push and a pull. And it's not necessarily playing hard to get. It's just that allowing space, allowing that tension, allowing that desire to manifest. And that's not easy in a hookup culture that basically says you go out and if he pays for you, then you're obligated to sleep with him. Or it's been two dates, so now sleep with him. Like, no, that's that's not how you play to win. <laughs> you're playing to number one, get to know the guy, but also to really kind of, you know, launch a seduction. And in doing that, you, you have to have space. desire to form. It takes a little bit of time. I completely agree. I am so on board with your whole philosophy. I'm begging you to come back on the podcast because I feel like we barely scratched the surface. We barely. Yeah, I do feel like we did. I do feel like I'm like, yeah, there's a lot more we could talk about. There's so much more. more. Um, Where can they find you on social media? Sure. So um, on my my website, obviously, womenlovepower.com. On Instagram, you can find me at Aisha K. Fane and at women underscore love underscore power. On Twitter at Aisha K. Fane and on YouTube at Women Love Power. Amazing. Thank you so much, Aisha. Yeah. You have just my been absolute pleasure. A, a journey into information. Dana, where can they find you on? Uh, oh, at Dana Moonme. Oh, okay, and you can find me at Megan Granger. So please rate this podcast five stars and share it with a friend and follow Aisha and get into all of this stuff. And we're going to have her back on ASAP. And take Yay. the quiz. Take the archetype quiz. Yeah. Yes. Um, Thanks, ladies. Bye, player, bitch. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.